Bonjour and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. Today is a new Q&A and street challenge episode and my friend, my guest this week is my good friend Rick Salmon. Hi Rick, how are you doing? Well, it's an honor and a pleasure to be talking with my favorite, all-time favorite street photographer. So it's really cool to be here. Thank you, Rick. So last time I saw you was at uh, PPE in New York. So yes, and months. now we're going to get together at uh, out of Chicago. So, you know, that, that's one of the great things. Don't you think about this community? Like, we're all friends. And, yeah. you know, yes, we're competing, you know, but I don't look at it like that. I look at it that we're all, all in this together, and that's what makes it fun. That's right. I don't think we're competing because we all have something different to offer. I mean, even, right. uh, and I think it's we're better off all working together because uh, we can help each other out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And after communicating with you for several years over, uh, you know, on, online via social media and so forth, emails once in a while, when I saw you at New York, it's like we'd known each other for years. Right, right. I know. Yeah, it's, it's fun. So what's new in, uh, in your world? Well, I just got back from India where I did uh, some uh, street shooting, some wildlife shooting, some scenery shooting. That was really cool. But, you know, one of my expressions, Valerie, is it's not easy having fun. So this is like 32 hours door to door to get there and to come back. So, you know, being there oh. is great. But to travel the 10 hours on the plane, it's uh, it's tough. It's tough. But, man. You know, we live in the greatest country in the world, I think. And, you know, it's it's always it's always great to come back. But to, to meet people on the streets, you know, uh, you know, photographing strangers in strange lands and getting them to like you or at least accept you and like like you do in a split second. You know, that's the that's one of the keys to street photography. I, yeah, it's wonderful. So so tell me a little bit more about this trip to India. You were on a train, right? And that was the first yeah. experience doing that. Well, we had been on a train. Susan and I had been on a train in the north uh, called the Palace on Wheels. And every night, every night it travels to a different city and you get off in the morning and everyone gets on the bus and they go to a location. Well, we get on the bus and then we go off on our own. So uh, that that is really cool. So they take you to nice locations and you have like all day to shoot. You come back to the train. Sometimes, sometimes you eat in, in, in the destination. But, you know, it's really a challenge because, you know, the light isn't the best all the time because, you know, the train stops in the morning. Then you have breakfast and you go out. So dealing with the light and, you know, I find I'm making a lot of pictures like asking the strangers you know, to, to go into the shade or to do this. So I'm, uh, I know some photographers, you know, they just take what's there, like a photojournalist takes what's there mm -hmm. and he or she should do that uh, as a photojournalist, but I'm a travel photographer. So I love, I love making travel portraits. So I did a lot of that. That's probably what I did most there. Yeah, that's awesome. So you were not teaching a workshop this time. Was no, just a, was, a vacation. <laughs> uh, well, it really wasn't a vacation. <laughs> I was doing a lot of shooting. I have another book coming out. Uh, I always have, like you, you know, lots of workshops and lots of seminars. So I always need new pictures. You yeah. know, who wants to go see? Unless you're Santana, who's played Evil Ways like you know ten thousand times since uh, uh, 1969. <laughs> People still want to hear Evil Ways of Black Magic Woman. Someone's going to see me, come to see me. They want to see new pictures. So yeah. I like to keep it fresh. That, you know, at, at the same way, I've never done the same. I've never given the same presentation twice. I mean, like I was just, I just gave a presentation at Apple in San Francisco last week and I taught a workshop and even um, I included pictures that I had shot just four days before in that presentation because 
it just keeps it fresh for me, even if the people have never seen it before. It's just much more exciting to talk about something different. Yeah, yeah, it keeps you excited yeah. as an instructor and as a presenter. And I would say, if you're not having fun, if you're not enthusiastic, the audience isn't going to be enthusiastic. That's right. So that's a good tip, and then it's a very commendable that you're doing that because you know some people give the same talk. So you know, PPE mentioned. I saw some talks that I had seen, you know, like ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they maybe they need a little bit of dusting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, well, let's just. Let's jump right into the, the Q&A segment. Sure. We have several really good questions. I'm really excited about that. So I'll read the first one okay. who came, that came to us from Sheila Bodine uh, through the Street Focus Facebook group. She asked, after taking a street portrait of a willing subject, any thoughts about offering to email them a copy of the photo by giving them a card with your contact email and asking um, them to send you a request? Or is it Better to just keep the situation impersonal. How do you handle that, Rick? <laughs> well, I'm laughing because if if you were going to ask me like a thousand questions on the podcast or have me on like, you know, a thousand times, no matter what question you ask me, the answer would always be the same. It, it depends. It depends. <laughs> right. So I'm in India and I'm photographing these people who don't, who don't speak English. Or I'm in Mongolia who don't speak English, you know. So in a situation like that, and I don't, but a lot of times people do want, do want the photograph. Like I, actually I was in India where people in one of these temples where the people spoke English and uh, they wanted my card. So I always have my card with them. So in a case like that, I'll give them the card. But sometimes like, If I'm in Brazil or something in, in, the, in the rainforest photographing, you know, a, a village or the, the people in the village are in Mongolia or, or, or Bhutan or uh, Nepal, these places, I'm always with the guide. And I always say to the guide, you know, because guide's going to go there next, the next, you know, next week or the next month, whatever. I ask the people, you know, if they want the pictures, I'll email you, you know, the travel agency, you know, actually has fast internet, even in Nepal or wherever. I'll e email you guys the picture and then, next, you know, just print it out. Even if it's on, you know, copy paper, the people will love it. Oh, yeah, because those people so, sometimes have never even seen a picture of themselves. Yeah, and, and the, I guess the last thing I, w I would like to say about this is that if you say you're going to send a picture and you don't, You're going to ruin it for me and Valerie the next time we go to these places, right? Because they're not going to want, no, I'm serious, because they're yeah. not going to want their picture taken. Yeah. So if, please, if you say you're going to send a picture, please send it. Yeah. What I do, I hand out, well, I usually, you know, teach in Europe or in the U.S. or Canada. So uh, people will have access to the Internet. So. I, uh, I will hand out a card, which is quite generic. I mean, I don't have a phone number on there. It's just my website. So people can go to the website, then they can contact me. And um, I don't ask for their information, but they're free to contact me. And it's, and I've said that on the show before, it's actually interesting. A lot of people don't, don't contact you. And uh, what I find the most surprising is if you You do a, a, the portrait of a child and you hand the parent a, a card and they never contact you for a copy, which to me is just uh, really surprising because as a mother, I would definitely right. want to. And we were actually joking about that several times with some, uh, some of my workshop students because I think when I was shooting with a DSLR, people would be more likely to contact me. Now that I'm shooting with a small camera, 
that people may not take me as seriously and they don't bother to contact me thinking, oh, well, it's not a, it's like a, a point and shoot might not be a good picture. Or I don't know what goes in their mind, but I get less requests now that I feel I'm probably making a lot better work than I did 10 years ago. But uh, but the camera kind of has uh, maybe has something to do with that. Oh, yeah. oh you know what, Valerie? It definitely does. <clears throat> While I was on this train, uh, we were on the train for a week. And then we did a week after on our own in different hotels around. When I was at the different hotels, I used my Canon digital SLR with my L-series lenses. But when I was on the train to the six or eight cities that we went to, the only camera I used was the Canon G5X, a little, like you say, mm-hmm. little compact camera. You're way, and I think the big advantage there is you're way less, less intimidating. For you sure. Don't look, you don't look like a pro. And you know, there's something else I think. If you use the flip out screen, you're not like, you know, not that you're hiding behind the camera, but your face is visible. So I think that the cameras with the flip out screen actually make the portrait session maybe a little more, a little more personal. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but that's the thing. People aren't threatened by the camera and yeah. the big long lens and the flash and you know, all this other stuff. Yeah, that's true. But um, but to also go back to the, to Sheila's question, I think sometimes I just sometimes if I feel, you know, I just did a a, a a portrait and there wasn't much of an interaction i i will occasionally just walk away without offering a card it's just it yeah as you said it, it it all depends on the situation how you feel the situation and and uh but yeah if there is an interaction and and i feel like you know we part both with a smile on our face and which right. how it should be then yeah i'll hand out a card for sure so i think uh yeah i you don't need to to keep it impersonal if you actually have an interaction. I don't do a lot of street portraits as much right. as I used to. I'm more uh, looking for candid and more minimalist um, uh, shots now, but or silhouettes and such. But uh, when, but occasionally when I still do a street portrait, yes, I will hand out a card. So I think it's a, I mean, cards are so cheap. You can get them on Vistaprint for like, you get 500 right. for like $20. You know, there's <laughs> know. no excuse not to have something. Right. And, uh, and again, it should not, it doesn't have to be um, any personal information, just an a, a email address or so, something. For sure. Yeah. Great. Well, I think that pretty much covers the first question. Okay. Rick, do you want to read the second? Yes. So Chen May So on Facebook writes, well, it's a little stuff in the beginning that she says is she's wondering how to handle a complaint if someone, if a subject sees his or her photograph on social media. Well, I've never gotten a complaint. I think one of the reasons why uh, I've never gotten a complaint because you kind of know if someone wants their picture there and whether or not you should use it, right? Yeah. One of the things that I see in your photography and in the photography of a lot of people that without saying it, you respect the subject. And I do, I have seen some pictures on social media where the photographer obviously didn't respect the subject that, you know, kind of like Zap. Not really zapped. Well, there are photographers. You know, you see pictures of Donald Trump. He's zapped all over the place, right, mm-hmm. on the web. You know, they look for that zap picture. But why take an unflattering picture of someone, if, you know, because that's, I think, where you're going get to the, uh, get the complaint. Yeah. What do that, you think? Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, I mean, I've occasionally received uh, emails or even Facebook notes from people people who recognize themselves on a candid photograph, um, like at a cafe or something, mostly if I'm shooting locally because somebody locally will point 
them to that. So, oh, look, I saw your picture in Valérie Jardin's uh, Facebook page. But again, it's never a complaint. They're actually quite flattered and they say, oh, I'd love to see to get a picture. Or next thing I see, they, they copied that picture and it's their, their profile pic, you know, right. which I'm totally fine with. I think it's it's nice. And um, I've never had... I've never had a complaint. I mean, it's quite rare. What are the odds of people seeing themselves on on your Facebook if they're not friends or friends of friends? I mean, the odds are quite slim, especially when we travel internationally. But um, I think I've never had a complaint, and I don't see how I would ever get a complaint because of that reason that I don't photograph people in vulnerable or embarrassing situations. Why? And if I do, I would never post that picture. Yeah, and yeah. also in private. I mean, these people are in public. You know, yeah. you know, if someone's going to complain that their picture shows up in the New York Times because they were in Times Square on uh, New Year's <laughs> Eve, right? I mean, they're in public. Exactly. Yeah. So. So yeah, but um, even then, I just even. In humor, and we've talked about that on the show as well. There is humor and there is ridicule, and uh, I I like humor in street photography. I think it's probably one of the most challenging uh, aspects of street photography, but it has to be subtle, and uh, it's not roll on the floor funny, making fun of someone. That's to me, that's crossing the line. And uh, and I've I've captured some situations where I felt okay. If this was me on that picture, I certainly wouldn't want it to be posted out there. And I did not post those pictures because I felt like it was crossing the line. And I I don't want to embarrass anyone. Yeah. The only pictures I like of people on the web are pictures of people, are the pictures of me that people take when I'm talking. You know, oh, like yeah. the, you're talking and your mouth is open, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 right? Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, I know. Sometimes, like, oh, no, when I see all the pictures of me taken on a workshop, right. I'm like, oh, please, yeah, just right, right, please, pass them back right. for me first. Right. <laughs> I want to be able to, to yeah. <laughs> approve yeah. them. But people are, are quite respectful about that, too, usually. But it's uh, it's funny. You're right. Okay. Uh, we have time for one or two more questions. Sure. Uh, oh, how do you say that name? Lydov? Lydov? Uh, Magelson asked yeah. on Twitter, I like interacting with people. Is it still street photography? Uh, well, sure, because who makes the rules, right? Um, street photography doesn't have to be in your face or candid or or it can be portraits. And if you do a portrait, there is an interaction. It doesn't have to be a conversation, but there is an interaction because there is eye contact and you have approval to take the picture from your subject. So yes, to me, that is part of street photography. It's one of the many facets of street photography. What do you think, Rick? Well, I think it goes back to, <clears throat> excuse me, what we were talking about before, the photojournalist and the travel photographer. Like, to me, you're more of a photojournalist, which a uh, highly respected photojournalist, because you're photographing what you see. And you use, you know, you know, sometimes shallow depth of field to create, you know, the mood and the feeling, which, of course, is the most important thing. You know, and I really respect and love your work. And my wife was telling me before we came on, she says, you have to tell Valerie that I really love her work. Oh, thank so, you. So she does, too. But, I, I, you know, I'm more of a travel photographer. I, I you know, I love one of the persons who influenced me was Steve McCurry. Right. Mm -hmm. And and he did a lot of, you know, street photography, too. But that, you know, he did a lot of travel portraits like the Afghan girl. So that's really what I like doing. But, you know, talking about titles in general, you know, 
landscape photography. If there's a barn in the picture, is that landscape photography? Yeah. If there's a lighthouse in the picture, is it seascape photography? I think, Valerie, people today are so hung up with, with the titles of all this. It's not that it's a bad question, but they, they hung up with the, with the titles of all this. And, you know, uh, or, you know, some people are like totally against, you know, Photoshop even, even today in Lightroom, you know, you know, you enhance a picture a little, and and they'll give you a bad book review. On I have a new book out. I got a one star book. I, I got a most of them. I think it's a five uh, four out of five stars. I think the rating is like four point seven. So they mostly mostly five star reviews. But one guy gives me a one star review because I use Photoshop. Oh no! So that's not photography. And I said, well, I said to him, well, then then give Ansel Adams' book a one star. Because he was the biggest manipulator ever. He, he took the reality out of the scene by taking out the color. Mm -hmm. Do you have time? Do you have 30 seconds to tell a quick Ansel Adams story? Yes. I'm doing a workshop with John Sexton. This is, relates to my one-star book review. Doing a workshop with, one, with uh, John Sexton. He says, let me tell you an Ansel Adams story. Someone writes Ansel Adams a letter. This is before email. And is really mad at Ansel Adams. Guy lives on the, west, on the uh, East Coast. In New York or someplace like that. He says, Dear Mr. Adams, I have your books. I have your posters. I loved your work. You inspired me to go to Yosemite. And when I got there, it didn't look like that. <laughs> so it's funny. You get the point, right? Yeah. And I'm sure the list, it's, it's a funny story. But a lot of my pictures don't look like that. You know, you use it. You use that 50 millimeter lens wide open with your shallow, beautiful shallow depth of field, Valerie, that you create. It doesn't look like that. Exactly. Right? Yeah, because your eyes don't see that way. Your eyes don't see that way. So yeah. all this stuff about oh, drives me yeah. drives me nuts. Yeah, it does. It does to me too. And you know what? Do whatever makes you happy. It doesn't have to right. be a label, <laughs> or just put it a label. You'll name it whatever you want. Uh, but it, who cares? Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, and even in street photography, I mean, there is the street photography police out there. And, uh, <laughs> and it just drives me crazy uh, because both street photographers just shoot for themselves. You know, they're not selling their work. They just shoot them because they're in the zone and there is nothing like it when you're out on the street with your camera. And uh, who cares what, what, what they shoot and how they shoot it? Just do it to make yourself happy. You're only on the only person you have to please, really. Well, in, in reality, that is true. Mm -hmm. That is true. And like my mother said, which I was tired of hearing when I was a kid, but it turned out to be so true. To thine own, to to thine own self, be true. And this is really true. You have yeah. to follow your heart. Yeah. Yeah, so true. So I hope, uh, yes, so to me, interacting with people is still part of street photography. It's called, yeah. it's called street portraits. So. Right. Um, okay, Rick, you'll read the last one, which okay. actually was directed, direct, directed to me, but uh, we'll both answer it anyways. Well, Andy Murdoch, his name is much easier to pronounce. Yes. So thank you. You're very gracious giving me the easy names. <laughs> so I really appreciate that. So the person writes, Valerie, when you shoot on the street, do you have any objectives? Great question. If not, I had a great question. If not, why and how does this benefit you? Okay. Uh, well, it depends again. Um, <laughs> I like the street to surprise me. Um, I when I when I'm in Paris, for example, I I just get lost on purpose and I wander and I just I let the street give me stories. But if um, 
for example, if you're in your own city that, and you've roamed the same streets millions of times, sometime you need to, to pick a theme or do some, you know, yeah, pick a theme, um, just to make, to make you go out there, first of all, and to spice things up. Uh, for example, say, okay, today I'm just gonna look for silhouettes. So I'm gonna look for reflections or I'm gonna photograph people with dogs. Just, I think that helps, but it also helps If you stay focused when you are in a completely new city, because it's so overwhelming that you'll get so scattered and you'll probably just get random shots of boring things. And uh, if you pick a theme in Rome, for example, and you photograph, I don't know, um, men wearing suits, you focus on that. You'll get a great series, but you'll still photograph other things along the way. It's not like that's all you'll see. But if you focus your attention on that for an afternoon and the next day it's something else, at least you'll have a great set of images and uh, and, and everything else you'll see along the way. But I think it's so it works both way. If it if you get bored because it's the same street, then spice things up with a theme. But if you're in a really new area, on the streets, it can keep you focused and make better work. Uh, but for my part, um, I, I like to, to let the street surprise me. Rick, what are your thoughts on that? I like that, by the way. Let the street, let the street uh, surprise me. <clears throat> well, you know, because I, I love travel portraiture the most, mm-hmm. I'm always looking for backgrounds or sets. Yeah. You know, if I'm working in the studio, that's almost as important as the, uh, as the subject and the lighting. That the background can always make or break a picture. So I'm walking around. We were in, uh, walking around the streets of uh, India. And I saw this beautiful blue wall, and it had a like a blue door on it with a cool lock, a very old lock. It's on my website, this picture. And uh, this guy walks by uh, with this orange robe. And I thought this orange robe with this guy sitting, this man sitting with the him on maybe the left with the orange robe and the blue background on the right, those two colors. You know, when we look at a picture, believe it or not, the first thing we notice, is, or we look at a scene, the first thing we notice is color. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, okay, I have to put these two colors together. So I'm looking for scenes or settings, just like a movie. You know, when you, you know Francis Ford Coppola is making making a movie, he's just not going to, you know, put put uh, or whomever. Uh, they, they're not just going to put the actors anywhere. They're going to make that set. You know, have a set designer make the set or go somewhere and light it beautifully. So I'm really thinking about the background, and you know, if I find and then so sometimes I find the background. And ask the subject to come in, or I find the set, and I wait, for, and I'm just waiting, 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 waiting uh, for you know something really cool to happen. I think patience for the type, for this type of photography, you have to be willing to wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I think uh, you. Yeah, we we have different approach. So, but I right. I, um, I like, uh, and I do I do that. You know, you find a great backdrop. I'll I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait an hour. For the yeah, right subject to right. enter my frame, because not everybody will make a good picture, and uh, and if you find the right place and you not don't have the opportunity to get to come back to it, then yeah, take uh, take all the time you you can, you know. And you, might, and, sure. and you might wait for the light to change. I remember one of mm-hmm. your pictures; there were some really strong shadows in there, and I thought, and I think that I forget, I think the subject was walking away. But anyway, it's a black and white picture, which I really love. Um, 
So sometimes not only the color of the background, but I'm really looking for the light and how those shadows yeah. can, you know, shadows are the soul of the picture. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, although I do like shooting in the shade, especially when it comes to portraiture, you know, the shadows, you know, wait for the shadows. And if you can envision, you know, there's a million apps out there uh, that tell you where the shadows are going to fall. If you're, I think, a street photographer, this would be a good good uh, thing to have one of these apps that tell you, okay, the sun's going to, you know, come around this building at 345. Um, and, thing. Yeah, and it's also a good. Um, those those are things that if you're photographing in your own city, yep. you can actually. This really, I, and I always tell people, you don't need to travel. You should be able to do your best work in your own city because you have that advantage of knowing where the light falls when and and be there at the right time so really for street photography you're at your advantage on your own turf well you know speaking of well you're right speaking of this there's something in manhattan have you heard of this manhattan henge no well, manhattan henge and it happens once a year uh and it, this one time a year you can do a search manhattan Henge. of course it changes by the by the day um The, the sun is perfectly aligned east and west. So you could get a perfect sunset picture in New York City if you stand on a certain street. It's very cool. Manhattan Henge. Oh, here are the dates oh, right here. I've heard I've heard of that. Okay, I didn't know the name, but I yeah. So so do <laughs> are there many photographers in that standing at the same spot? Oh my gosh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Do do a search, you'll see you'll see some of the pictures from uh, from Manhattan Henge. Oh, fun. Yeah, I've heard of that. I didn't know the name, but. Yep, yep. Wow. So I guess you just, you just look for the crowd. <laughs> oh, yeah, look, look for the crowd. But, you know, even with the crowd, you know, that, that's part of the challenge. Yeah. Actually, fun. Susan, Susan and I were in India. We're at the southernmost part of mainland India. I would say there are probably four or five thousand people there waiting for the sunrise. Four or five thousand wow. people waiting for the sunrise that comes up behind the statue of this building on this island. And guess what? We all got good shots. Yeah. Because we all found not a, you know, maybe eleven people had cameras because most of the people are local. They yeah. weren't all trying to get great shots, but you know, I love a challenge. Like And you, you, you embrace the the silhouettes of the people yeah. in the scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I got. I got some beautiful, beautiful silhouettes. Yeah, I saw your YouTube video. Oh, yeah. yeah, you saw all the people around there. <laughs> yeah, and that's fun. I mean, for me, if there were no people in the in the in the shot, I have to wait for them right. to come. <laughs> so yeah, to me, people are just not the challenge. I want them there. So sure. awesome. Well, I think those were all great questions, and I think the the answers were pretty good, if I may say so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now let's get to um, the winners of the last challenge, which was about reflections. Uh, so, Rick, you saw we had quite a few entries. Yes, you have a great dedicated group there, which I think is just uh, just fantastic. It, it's fun. And I love this uh, monthly challenge because uh, a lot of people, well, a lot of people will put their best shot from, you know, the past few months. But a lot of people will actually go out to shoot just for that challenge, which I think is awesome. And that's really the whole point. So right. um, it pushes you to get out there and get out of your comfort, comfort zone. So uh, once again, <laughs> we picked the same winner. That's funny. But I always, that happens so often that I always have two. So that say, like, okay, well, again, Rick, uh, who was your winner? Uh, Hans E. <clears throat> and it's called Reflecting on Prague. 
And I don't know if this picture was, uh, you know, set up. It could have been, but it could have been natural. Probably not. Way. Yeah, I think I've taken passenger, you know, on tr on train. And because we're street photographers and we know how to remain invisible, that yeah. to me, that is a candid shot. Because I love that. I love that picture. Not only does it, it kind of captures like two types of reflection. Uh, it's a picture of a man looking at a train window with a shot at a slow shutter speed, so, which I thought was a very good idea. Blurring the background gives a picture a sense of motion, can still picture mm -hmm. a sense of motion. Uh, the person is, you know, so you have a nice reflection of him in the window. But it also looks like he's reflecting yes. on something. Mm -hmm. So I think it was like a double. That's why I picked that. It really, you know, there were a lot of pictures there, quite honestly, that, you know, didn't really. And I, I run contests and, and you know, uh, challenges like this, too. And, you know, not all the pictures meet the, you know, the, the, yeah. uh, the topic. But, boy, this is this is this really grabbed my eye, which is why we both uh, picked it. Yeah. And there's something about trains. It's so romantic. And, yeah. And I know my <laughs> the audience knows me now. that I've, uh, I have something about trains and train stations and and I'm really drawn to those type of images. So, again, this one just grabbed my attention right away. So I'm not surprised that's that was your your pick. Beautiful <laughs> image. Again, reflection and the man reflecting on whatever so it's, yeah lots a uh, beautiful story there and sure. nice composition you know he's yeah. off to the he's in the bottom left the, so i thought every everything about this picture is good yeah yeah so my uh, i had uh, i had two favorites so that was uh, that made it easy um and i picked an image by michael tristram and it's a split image of a man having a smoke at the uh, so the photographer must have been right against the glass of yes. um, of a, a shop window, and there is a man. You see him just, I mean, just a, maybe a third of his body. You see his face and uh, part of his body, and then it's he it has a split image in the reflection, and he caught him at the point where they made eye contact, which makes the 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 photograph even stronger because it's just that that rapid you know that the moment when the subject notices you that you're taking a picture there's not really an emotion yet it's just that that fraction of a second and he caught him at that so it makes it even better and it's comical too because it has that split perfect split image it um it made me smile so i really like yes. that it's well done and uh and again there were there were a lot of uh, good uh, other good entries so keep uh, keep trying uh we'll have a new new challenge for next time but um great uh, great reflections um and the two winners will receive an ebook of their choice um by our friends at Rocky Nook awesome uh, okay, the next street challenge, I selected it just uh, just because Rick is on the show, and it will be about <laughs> environmental portraits on the street. So um, Rick will uh, give us a few tips on how to make the, the right environmental portrait of, uh, of a stranger during your travels or at home. I mean, it can be in okay. your neighborhood. But basically, I feel the closer you are to the subject, the more intimate the photograph becomes. Mm -hmm. So if you're photographing a subject on the street with a 300 millimeter lens, the picture's not going to have a great sense of intimacy. However, if you photograph, if you're working on a portrait and you're shooting with like a wide angle lens, like a 24 millimeter or 35 millimeter lens on a full frame camera, 
you're going to be able to get up close and personal. And that's what I really like to do. I like to work very close. People are surprised that, that I use like a 24 to 105, even a 17 to 40 to get uh, some of my uh, street portraits. So I'd say I'd suggest try to work close, but you have to you know establish that confidence with the subject. You really want to think about the eye, your your the height at which you're holding your camera and which you're shooting. If you see eye to eye, if you shoot eye to eye, the person looking at the photograph is going to relate more to the subject. If you shoot down, it's going to look like you're looking down on the subject. But if you shoot from a lower angle, like Sports Illustrated swimsuit model photographers do, that'll give the subject the greatest sense of power. So I'm very, very aware of how high I'm holding my camera. And you want to watch the, you want to watch the background. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the background, like I mentioned before, with my India uh, portrait of the man, uh, you know, I wanted everything in focus, so I'm paying careful attention to my aperture. But sometimes, like you do, you you uh, you want to you know blur the foreground or blur the background to add maybe a more artistic effect, which is cool. So I'd say you know think about the background and think about the shadows. I, I didn't mention that. Uh, think about uh, you know working close and think about uh, seeing eye to eye and uh, shooting eye to eye, and you know. The exact moment you press that show release button is really important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've just been doing this for so long, uh, you know, I guess I'm kind of good at it. But, you know, if, you, if you're new to it, maybe take a lot of pictures. But, um, you know, that, that moment takes that, that, that exact knowing what to shoot is important. The other thing and the last thing. And this is the most important. Uh, There's a Freeman Patterson expression, which I forget exactly what he said, but I adapted it to say something like, you know, the camera looks both ways. In picturing the subject, you're also picturing a part of yourself, meaning the mood, the feeling, the emotion, the energy that you project, that's going to be reflected for sure in your subject's face, in your subject's eyes, and in their body language. So we could say that another way. We're a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> so, in a much simpler way, but really, the camera does look both ways. And people, you can look at all my all my portraits, and, you, and anyone knows anyone looking at those can know exactly how I felt when I took those pictures. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's a good, very good point. Um, great tips. What what I would add to this? Maybe uh, try vertical and horizontal. You know, you have time when you're doing a portrait. Take your time. It's not like you only have the fraction of a second of capturing a story on the streets here you have the permission of the of the stranger you're photographing so uh so do a good job try do a few frames ask them to move again a a little bit and um and because it's more of an environmental portrait it's nice to include the environment so so maybe actually as you said um um Uh, use uh, an aperture that yep. will uh, give a sense of place and uh, you know they could be people at work they could be uh, people you know sitting in the front porch so give a sense of place you don't have to travel to exotic uh, places to uh, to make an environmental portrait or travel type portrait because wherever you are it's somebody else's vacation destination but it's home to you so <laughs> for sure hey you know valley i was going to try to be a, a little bit funny and i was going to shock your reader your your listeners and surprise you by saying valerie are you kidding what a basic tip shooting vertical and horizontal but you know what that is actually a great tip 
That is a great basic tip that a lot of people, you know, we go out in workshops, you and I, and how many times has the person said, or have you said to the person, oh, if I only had shot it vertical, I only had shot it horizontally, right? This is actually a very good tip because that makes, that can make all the difference. So yeah. that's a good one for sure. And, um, and sometime, you know, the subject will call for a right. shot from a lower angle. Like I right. can give an example. And actually I added that shot from uh, in, on my presentation in the, when I talk about street portraits is this, uh, this gentleman in the Bronx last fall in New York. And, uh, I was, uh, doing some, more back alleys and and off the beaten path and i saw this guy with a bright red fur coat and he was smoking a cigarette at on some steps and uh i walked to him and said well i can't miss a subject like that i mean i i I shoot a lot of black and white but this was a color shot if i've ever seen one so a bright red fur coat and it was a pretty warm october day so i said hey what's up with the coat and he said well i just had it dyed red before it was white and i thought oh this is just priceless you know the story behind the coat that used to be white and it was his first time coming out going out in the street with his bright red fur coat so i took a picture of him from a low angle because this guy tony was just bigger than life and and shooting him at a low angle made him even bigger and uh and it fit his big personality so uh so sometimes you know try to work those angles very good you know i I was just thinking when you said before that you don't have to go to the other side of the planet to get great street shots um I, gave a, I was given a presentation once, and I, people were saying, where can I go to get pictures? A good project, self-assignment, might be, you know, hometown heroes. Go yeah. to the local fire department. You know, that's a great place to do envi- learn about environmental type pictures. You know, and you know, these guys would love pictures, and they do because we did it here in Croton on Hudson. They would love uh, pictures. Uh, and, you, you know, you could do the close-ups. You could do the details. Try to tell the whole story. Do that, you know, dramatic, yeah. full full frame face shot but also do the shot with the engine in the back or whatever yeah make it make it a project yeah tell a photo story in multiple frames but uh post your best environmental portrait in the show notes for this episode which uh will be episode 77 street focus number 77 in the comment section one picture and the deadline is march 31st so with all the tips rick and i just gave you you can't miss the shot now just have to go out there and 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 send us your your best photograph march 31st is the deadline awesome thank you uh rick for the tip and now it's time for our picks of the week anything photography related what do you have for us well, just like we picked the same picture, yeah. right? I'm going to pick the Out of Chicago Conference. So this guy, Chris Smith, this young guy, so enthusiastic, so talented. Uh, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Brian Peterson, a lot of a lot of great pros are going to be there speaking, leading workshops called the Out of Chicago Conference. It's June 24th through 26th. And I can't wait to see you again. I'm going to bring my podcast and record. I'll get you on the show. That sounds good. And uh, we're also go- going to be recording a live TWIP episode. 
um, on Sunday night, I believe, uh, with Frederick Van Johnson. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And um, it's www.outofchicago.com. There's still a few spots. I mean, it's. I was there last year. Uh, street photographers, you all know Marie Lignot, and she will be there from London. Um, and she she's a good friend. She's a great street photographer. You can learn from street photographers. You can learn from, um, you know, photographers who specialize in architecture, in, uh, in landscape. I mean, everything you want to try. You can listen to all those presentations and go on photo walks. There are photo crawls. It's just going to be awesome. And there is so much energy because it's not huge. I think that's the advantage. Yes. We, you get to talk with everybody and, uh, and we get to meet with, with the attendees. Um, in a way that we can't when we go to those huge conferences. So this is very intimate and it's in the heart of Chicago. Can't beat that in June. No. It's really I'll awesome. Can't wait. Uh, so we had the same pick of the week, but that's yeah. a, that's a good one. So, <laughs> well, Rick, tell us a, a little bit about the, your, your, your book. What, I mean, you, I don't know. It seems like, uh, do you have a twin or a clone or something? I want to know the secret. <laughs> No, I type fast. <laughs> I guess you do. Do you dictate or do you actually type? Oh, I actually type. Yeah, this latest book, it's number 36. It's called Creative Visualization for Photographers. So it's about composition and exposure and lighting. And, and, and there's a lot in there about getting motivated and staying inspired, which uh, at this point in my life, I'm really trying to you know, inspire you know, younger photographers to get out there and do it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, actually I'm looking today. It came out in April and... Today it's number three in color on Amazon, nice, uh, which is nice. And that did so well, the publisher asked me to do another book. And I just actually yesterday sent uh, that material in. And the new book is called Evolution of an Image, uh, a behind-the-scenes look at the creative photographic process. So, you know, say, like on the cover, there's a picture of... Uh, taken in Iceland of these waves crashing on on these beautiful pieces of ice. Well, I just didn't walk up and take that picture. You know, it was envisioning the end result. Mm -hmm. It's setting up. It's And I show, what I show in this book is all the, uh, not all, I show my number one outtake from each scene to show, you know, hey, when you get there, you know, a professional photographer just doesn't set up the camera and shoot it. Sometimes it's a lot of work. Yeah. Especially when you're like looking for that exact slow shutter speed where you're going to get this or, uh, you know, gesture is very, very important to people and in wildlife photography. So on the cover of the book, there's a picture of a horse and I picked uh, in Provence and I picked that picture because of the gesture of the horse. So it's really about I mean, I don't think I've have any books with so many bad any bad pictures because i say that jokingly because i show you know, what it was like what the first shot was mm -hmm. and then you know sometimes the first shot is okay but you know a lot of times if you're in a dark buddhist temple you don't know what exactly what the uh, iso should be or you don't you can't even see yeah. So the I think it's important for people to know that you know pros just don't go out there hey, one shot this this is you know well, this that's, is it. That's a great, uh, great format for a book. So it's it's the the whole process, the creative process yeah, yeah. to the completion of the image, right? Exactly, and awesome. and, and I and I include my Lightroom enhancements too because you know 
I, I do use Lightroom. I do use Photoshop a lot, just like, you know, mm-hmm. Ansel Adams used the Photoshop of those days. That's right. Yeah, that's yep. right. And uh, and you do beautiful work and, and your books are wonderful. So um, and so they're print and ebooks or. Yes, they're print and ebooks. Both. Uh, uh, yeah, the Kindle books. You know, the thing with the Kindle, you know, sometimes the format isn't, isn't right. But, yeah. you know, a few years ago, I, I vowed never to do print books again. But I think it's, you know. It's a great way. You know, well, what could be better than sitting at a computer and talking to yourself for a few months? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what you do when you're writing a book. But yeah. actually on that, I have, I have a, uh, I did a post that you could find it online, how to write an ebook. And the number one thing is, or a book, the number one thing is uh, to respect the audience. Actually, every paragraph I write, every sentence I write, I'm thinking, is the audience going to ask any question? I don't want to leave anything unanswered. I want to respect the audience. And I think that's that's really important for an author. And even a you know a novelist, if you're going to end a novel a bad way, you're not really respecting you know the audience. That's right. Yeah. And nobody's going to want to read it or talk about right. it. That's right. right. Awesome. Well, I, I look forward to that. Any uh, Any special announcement you want to share? Uh, no, just that it was a very special being on your show. It's, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it, no, you're really, you're really great. And you do wonderful work. Uh, people love what you're doing, which is why you're so busy and so active. So it's just an honor and a pleasure to be uh, hanging out with you here for about an hour. Sounds good. And uh, what's your next trip? Uh, the next trip, uh, the next big trip is uh, Antarctica. And uh, actually, I'm going to go as a photo pro with Abercrombie and Kent. Uh, uh, I'm teaching. I'm teaching uh, people how to get good pictures with their digital SLRs. And Susan is teaching people how to get pictures with their iPhones. So we're going in December. It's going to be uh, kind of cool. Antarctica, the Falklands, the, you know, it's going to be amazing. Very nice. And I'll, yeah. see you, I'll see you in June. So where can people go to see your work, your books, your, your upcoming sure. workshops? Yeah, just ricksalmon.com, S-A-M-M-O-N, ricksalmon.com. And uh, it's all there. It's all good. Uh, that's awesome thank you so much Rick uh, as far as I'm concerned um, I posted several well, 2016 is sold out but uh, several workshops for 2017 are on the market and some of the Paris week long are half sold or if not more through the fall so if you want to grab a spot for Paris New York same thing it's going really fast so um 2017, I know it seems like a long time away, but um, a, a lot of people just waited too too long to sign up for 2016 and everything sold out so quickly. So uh, check out on my website, valeriejardinphotography.com, all in one word. Rick, <laughs> thank you so much. We'll have you again on the show. I think we should do like a travel tips special or something. Oh, I'd love to. I love to. You're really great. You're really great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rick. And we are at the end of another episode of Street Focus. Please head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash street to subscribe to the show. And if you enjoy it, please don't forget to share on social media. Spread the love. Sharing is the best way to support us. My name is Valérie Jardin, and you've been listening to Street Focus. Now it's time to grab that camera and hit the streets. Street Focus.